Hello, Kato One Talk. Here come the Pacific waves from RNZ Pacific. Mikoroy Hawkins. Coming up, I ask all our neighbors, friends, and partners to respect the sovereign interests of Solomon Islands. Solomon Islands signs a security cooperation agreement with China, but. You know, often you hear people talking about this and, and they seem to consider this to be some kind of opening gambit in the struggles of the great powers, whereas actually it's only comprehensible in the domestic context. Is Honiara taking the right path to addressing its domestic security problems? We get some analysis on the situation in country. At least during uh, emergencies, when power goes off, the radios still work. And Palau's national broadcaster has finally restored its AM service after it was destroyed by Typhoon Bofa in 2012. The Solomon Islands has gone on to sign a controversial security agreement with China against the wishes of local political influences and its traditional diplomatic partners Australia and New Zealand. The pact, which was first leaked online last month, raised domestic and regional anxieties about Beijing's increasing influence in the South Pacific. Some expert commentators are saying it could open the door for Chinese military presence in Honiara, a claim rejected by both China and Solomon Islands. Anzit Pacific editor Susana Leatoa reports. Prime Minister Manase Songovare has defended the intention of the China deal, saying its aim is for his country to diversify its security ties, to improve the quality of lives of its people and to address soft and hard security threats facing the country. He announced this in Parliament today. I ask all our neighbours, friends and partners to respect the sovereign interests of Solomon Islands on the assurance that the decision will not adversely impact or undermine the peace and harmony of our region. In response to Mr Sogavare, opposition leader Matthew Wale is calling for the signed document to be made public. Now that the agreement has been signed, whether the Prime Minister will allow disclosure of the agreement so that members may have uh, a perusal of it, but also to allay any fears, regional fears, uh, of any hidden parts of it. Thank you. And Member of Parliament and the Chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee, Peter Kenny Lorea Jr., agrees with Mr Wale's sentiments. Mr Kenny Lorea says Mr Sogovare's decision to strike a military cooperation deal with China lacked transparency. He says now that the two countries have signed the agreement, it could become the cause for domestic tensions. It will just further inflame emotions and tensions and again underscores the mistrust that people have on the government. And it is cause for concern for many Solomon Islanders, but definitely a certain segment of the society will now feel even more concerned and might want to start to take certain action, which is not in the best interest of Solomon Islands and our own unity as a country. New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has raised serious concerns about the security pact when the news first broke two weeks ago. But following the confirmation on signing of the agreement, Ms Ardern says there's no need for such an arrangement. We see no need for this agreement. We're concerned about the militarisation of the Pacific and we continue to call on the Solomons to work with the Pacific with any concerns around their security they may have. RNZ Pacific's Honiara-based correspondent Georgina Kekia says the issue has divided public opinion. People were already anticipating the signing. Um, from what we've seen is 
like some, there are some who are with the signing, there are some who are not, some who are a bit more skeptical about uh, what the future will be like for Solomon Islands, especially with such an agreement being signed uh, with China. So there's, there's mixed feelings, I would say, uh, on the ground, especially with the uh, signing. Meanwhile, senior officials from the United States government are confirmed to meet with Solomon Islands government this week with the security deal expected to be a major point of discussions. Still on the Solomon Islands issue, joining me to provide more historical context of the situation in the lead-up to this point is Victoria University of Wellington Professor of Political Science and International Relations, John Frankel. Thank you, Tomas, for joining me for back more, John. Starting with the events of the past 48 hours, what is your take on the situation? Well, I, I agree with Jacinda Ardern's concern about militarization in the region. I think that's the way to, to sort of f- frame concerns about this. But I do think that there's a, a widespread incomprehension of what's going on in the um, Solomon Islands and why Sogavare has chosen to sign this um, a security agreement. It's a, you know, often you hear people talking about this and, and they seem to consider this to be some kind of opening gambit in the struggles of the great powers, whereas actually it's only, it's only comprehensible in the domestic context. Uh, Sogavari is looking at the fact that riots, major riots have happened in Honiara in 2006, in 2019, and two, just last year in 2021, in um, November, major riots that burnt down the um, a, a Chinatown business district. And he's looking at uh, responding to these by um, uh, uh, increased and more heavy handed policing with Chinese assistance. But um, the truth is that there are bigger problems here and heavy handed policing is not, is not really the best answer. It's ultimately the fact that the population of Honiara has ballooned to nearly 100,000 people. Uh, there are lots of underemployed youths that are uh, have no jobs, there's very little uh, development, very little prospects for those people. And so when some political catalyst comes along and sparks unrest, you tend to get riots that are more like rampant looting. Uh, I think what really needs to happen is to get some development into Honiara and get start to, not, not simply to respond by heavy-handed policing, more heavy-handed policing, but try to uh, give some more effective opportunities to those underemployed youths, particularly in eastern Honiara. Notably in the west of Honiara, uh, where the settlements are more intermixed, there was very little unrest during the uh, November riots last year. Definitely, yeah, that the decentralization argument has always been a an election issue for a lot of, of Solomon Island governments, but implementing that has always been a problem for sure. Um, l- looking at like the, the lead up to this signing, um, we had the initial leak of a draft, which sort of the only inclination or only insight to anything that's in this document. Um, but after that leak, the the permanent secretary held a big press conference, and he also talked about it being it being based the final draft that we've yet to see a document of being based on the national development strategy and and existing sort of strategic security policies of the government does that is that where you're sort of tying that link to the the domestic side of this agreement being the the way to look at this and understand the the reasoning for it well I mean, ever since the 2019 switch of diplomatic recognition from taiwan to china there's been all sorts of proposals and plans to start up 
commercial projects involving cooperation between China and the Solomon Islands, the gold mine at Gold Ridge, for example, uh, discussions about uh, nickel mining on Isabel. Um, I, I would expect these kind of things to continue. And let's remember that uh, after major riots in Tonga in um, uh, late 2006, it was Chinese aid that came in to rebuild the Nukalofa business district. So what exactly is going to be done about Chinatown in Honiara that was burnt to the ground during the riots last year? You mentioned decentralization, and you're right that uh, you know the uh, proposals for decentralization have become uh, have been almost the um, the sort of core of political aspirations in the Solomon Islands going right back to independence, but certainly since the Townsville Peace Agreement in, um, in 2001, which uh, promised some degree of decentralization. There's been a draft federal constitution that's been uh, flurrying around Honiara for uh, years and years and years, but nothing ever gets done. Now with the um, Malaita provincial government in a battle with the uh, national government, there's been more emphasis on decentralization and the Americans in particular have, uh, have actually earmarked some of their aid on the, under the scale project. Although it goes through the national accounts, it goes down to Malaita. And some uh, ignorant commentators overseas are saying this is absolutely wonderful and we need more of that. That I think misses the problem that I mentioned earlier, which is that we've we, 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 there's a distinct lack of development in Honiara to create employment for all these underemployed youths that are um, um, involved in major riots periodically. Going to the to the comparing now this this Solomon Island security sort of cooperation agreement to other other parts of the region. A lot a lot of the framing of discussions and some of the reporting on this has been about oh this is going to be you know China's first security deal in the Pacific. It, it isn't, mm -hmm. is it? No, there's been uh, policing arrangements with Fiji and with Vanuatu. They may not have been leaked in quite the same way. And certainly China has security cooperation agreements with, in many other parts of the world. Uh, usually, though, these have been uh, these have followed decades, not, not, not sudden signing of treaties like this one, but decades of developmental cooperation. China's been in these, for, in these things for the long term. If you think about the only Chinese base that uh, overseas in Djibouti, for example, that's not a flash in the pan sort of uh, uh, um, development that suddenly came out of the blue. There's been cooperation going back decades. And similarly in Sri Lanka and Cambodia, there's been a, a long history of uh, uh, cooperation between China and the governments in those countries. Uh, let's remember that the Solomon Islands is uh, surely a difficult place for China to establish a security deal, given that governments change all the time. There's an election scheduled next year. No Solomon Island prime minister has ever gone into an election and come out the other side as prime minister. No confidence votes happen all the time. And the opposition is deeply opposed to the China deal. Uh, that would be circumstances that I would advise if I was if I'm not asked by Beijing what what to say. But if I were asked, I would say that would be a very precarious circumstances for China to commit deeply. You mentioned earlier leaks and uh, uh, the, the fact that this security agreement was leaked. That's absolutely right. We haven't, we haven't, it was only the draft that was leaked, not the actual agreement. Um, and, but something worth bearing in mind on that front is that uh, I, th I think the opposition is right to demand that the uh, document be made public so that people can review what is, um, what is going on. Let's recall that the um, 
2003 Ramsey Treaty that started Australian uh, uh, security assistance to the Solomon Islands was a public document. It was passed through Parliament. It's available online. Anyone can have a look at it. Under the, those arrangements, uh, there was a Facilitation of International Intervention Act, which uh, was signed. It was a regional agreement, not a bilateral agreement. It was signed between the Forum Nations and, and the Solomon Islands. That was a public document, and it went before Parliament in successive years. In 2017, Australia uh, uh, agreed a follow-up to the Ramsey arrangements, and it did so not regionally, and it did so bilaterally, and it didn't pass it through Parliament. So um, Australia's uh, dropping of the regional approach to Pacific security is now coming back to haunt Canberra. Uh, uh, they would have been a, a far better strategy, uh, as I think New Zealand would be more supportive of, would, would have been to continue the regional approach to Pacific security, to continue the approach of passing these uh, agreements through Parliament, and of course, if there was such a regional security architecture, it would be much easier to say to other powers, look, you're coming in and signing bilateral deals is undermining Pacific security. Uh, given that what Australia has done, it's very difficult now to do that. Um, we have US officials uh, on their way <laughs> to Solomon Islands. We've had Seselja there. We've had the um, Australian intelligence chiefs uh, in Honiara. The, the leveraging... Of, of 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 from the part, point of view of the Solomon Islands government, of of these relationships and and aid and support, it, it it's quite smart, isn't it? In terms of of what they're doing here and the interest they're getting in the sector that they've um they've voiced concern about not 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 getting what they need for not just for domestic um security that we've talked about, but they've always wanted bases up in um patrol bases up in the Papua New Guinea border. Uh, they've all, always wanted a, a better presence on the Vanuatu border, maritime mm. border, so things like that. Mm -mm. Well, uh, Australia was actually reluctant to commit to infrastructure during the Ramsey years, and that uh, Shortland Islands uh, patrol boat base up near the um, up, up near the border back, you know, going back to 2014-17, Australia was actually reluctant to get involved in that. And certainly this new one in Timoto province right on the um, eastern end. I think that, 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 that that's more a product of the pressure that the Solomon Island government is exerting on, on Australia. It doesn't, it's not really what Australia itself wants. But uh, the, the basic issue here is that, you know, it's 20 years now since, uh, nearly, that since um, uh, Ramsey commenced in 2003, there were 17 years of uh, uh, involvement by mainly Australian federal police, but also police and military personnel from Fiji, Papua New Guinea, New Zealand, other Pacific Island countries. Um, at the beginning, that force came in and simply did the policing for the Solomon Islands and shunted the Royal Solomon Island Police aside. I remember it was only in around 2011-12, uh, suddenly there were revelations about how weak the RSIP was, the Royal Solomon Islands Police was. There was much more uh, concerted emphasis on training. Uh, nearly all of the old police officers were sacked or retired. And you sometimes you'd see you know, incredibly young people walking around policing. Uh, the, 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 there's a leadership problem. They didn't appoint a local police chief until I think 2020. Uh, there are lots of problems of ill discipline, but why? But is Honiara so much more difficult to police than, say, Port Moresby or Port Vila? 
that all of these Melanesian urban capitals have large numbers of underemployed youths. That's where the attention needs to be directed. And uh, um, Australia certainly contributed a lot to trying to improve the Royal Solomon Islands Police. If they uh, want to deal, do something about this potential security treaty, there's no actual arrangement yet, other than for the six or nine Chinese police that came in already in December. But the, um, uh, we, we await a new invitation. But in the meantime, uh, the problem of uh, training of the Royal Solomon Islands Police must surely appear uh, prominent. And it's not, and as I said earlier, that it's not simply a policing issue. It's also a development issue about the nature of uh, urban expansion in Honiara. Palau's state broadcaster now has a new AM service after a new tower was raised. EPFM Ngerel Bilau, 87.9 FM, has been without an AM service since 2012 when Typhoon Bofa took out its tower. Moira Tulaipatela was in Palau last week and filed this story. The head of the state broadcaster, Rondi Ronnie, says the AM tower will benefit all of the states in Palau. A lot of the outlying states are not able to connect into the internet and, and just don't have that you know, capability. They don't have uh, very high-tech phones like how we do here in Karora, you know, so uh, people don't expect, you know, people from Angara, from Bubble Dub to be like on their phones all the time. He says this new tower will also be crucial to Palauans during times of disaster. But uh, at least during uh, emergencies, when power goes off, the radios still work. And so car radios still work. And so they want to be able to access an AM. The project was funded by Japan through the UNDP in the Pacific. Japan's ambassador to Palau, Akira Karasawa, says the project comprised of many elements related to disaster management, disaster prevention and disaster preparedness. And this particular AM tower is uh, instrumental to disseminate information regarding uh, disaster to all the people in all the states of Palau. Very, very essential element of this project. He said the project was started a while back but was delayed by the pandemic. Well, I understand uh, almost uh, two or three years uh, has, have passed uh, since uh, we started uh, this project. But uh, anyway, we, we, we could succeed to providing uh, all the elements so far. The UNDP's Levin Bozadi says AM services are an important communication tool in the Pacific and it was great to see this one up and running. And we know that uh, in the Pacific uh, most, of na- most of our nations are uh, scattered across the ocean and uh, connectivity between those islands are uh, limited. So we understand that uh, by installing the AM tower, we will have a better communication, especially southwestern part of uh, Palau. He says maintaining this communication is particularly important when the islands are struck by natural disasters. In disasters, as we know, due to climate change, uh, happen much more often and they are much more severe than they were in the past. So it's, uh, it's crucially important for a disaster response and also uh, from the point of view of uh, uh, having uh, those uh, outer island populations uh, under a response uh, domain. The Japan funding has also allowed for some of the outlying states to be equipped with VHF2A radios, providing an additional avenue for communication.
That brings us to the end of Pacific Waves for today. Remember, you can download us free to your device from Spotify, iHeart, or Apple Podcasts. Look at me for that next time more.